0: All right, Boca podcast listeners, uh, I'm here with my friend, Megan Keithan. Megan, you are a wedding photographer in Santa Barbara, is that correct?
1: I'm kind of all over California, but I'm hoping to move to Santa Barbara, which is why you see SEO on my site for Santa Barbara. You're,
0: I love it. You're smart. You're playing ahead of the game, mm-hmm. and that's that's a great move. Maybe we'll chat about that here in just a little bit. But we are going to, uh, along actually with, with your business, but we usually start off our... Podcast episodes with what I call the aha moment. And very simply, this would be kind of the biggest or hardest lesson that you may have learned as a professional photographer. What comes to mind?
1: You know, I think there are a lot of really hard, really big lessons that I've learned. And I don't know that I've had like a single aha, but a couple years ago, I'm in a really great group of photographers. And a couple years ago, One of them was telling me about a conversation she had had with with another one, and she said, you just have to treat yourself like a businessman because nobody else is going to if you're not going to. And that was, I guess, like the closest that I've had to an aha moment is you have to treat yourself like a business if you're going to expect that your clients are going to treat you like a business.
0: That's interesting. Okay, so uh, this is really the first time I've, I've had any of our guests answer in that particular way. Can you explain a little bit about what that means on a practical level? How does that how did that translate to your business?
1: Um, I think, first of all, um, so I actually have a really practical example of this in my life right now. So long-time family friend, uh, got engaged over the holidays, booked her venue, came to me and said, you know, I, you're my photographer, I need you. That's that, you know, what can we do to make this happen? And I, I threw together a couple custom collections for her based on what I knew her budget was and also the timeline that we had created for her. And she came back and she said, she actually just came back to me this week and said, Hey, we really want all day coverage. Can we take out this thing over here or add this thing in over here to bring it down to this budget? And as much as I really, really, really want to help this friend out, what she's asking for is going to end up costing me more money than than I'm willing to give up for starters. I mean, I think the trouble is I want to give her everything. She's a family friend. She means a lot to me, but she's not I, I can't I can't give up my ability to make money on that day. And not only that, but it, it would actually end up costing my business a lot. And so drawing that that boundary line and saying, you know, maybe the best thing is for me to refer you to another photographer who is willing to do that for you or who has lower business expenses. That's treating my, my business like a business.
0: It's hard. It really is hard. It's a tough conversation to have, especially with, with a good friend. Did you end up referring Mm -hmm. her elsewhere?
1: We're kind of still talking. I think she and her fiance are trying to figure out where they want to compromise, and that's that's another thing that that you have to do with this is just have a lot of grace and make sure that whether it is a friend or just any old prospective client off the street, you create a safe place for them to say, "You know, that's not within my budget or we we really do need x, y, and Z, and since you can't provide it, I just I want people to to get what they want on their wedding day. And if that's not me, then, that's okay, but it needs to be safe for them to feel like they can tell me that.
0: That's wow. Yeah. There are various directions we could go with this conversation, but I think very simply, it's, it's important as you say, to maintain boundaries. And this is not mm-hmm. only for the sake of mental sanity, because you know, there is a tendency, I think in, in many cases with photographers where family members, friends just kind of assume that they could take advantage of the fact that their friend is a, a photographer. I've mm-hmm. certainly seen this happen firsthand um, and it can be kind of exhausting and you know as much as we need to set our our egos aside and not th- take things too personally when there's little to no consideration of the fact that that we are doing this as a profession and what that translates to is we're we have to make a living for ourselves um it's right. it's tough not to to wonder why that's not noticed but like you're saying frank honest conversation is a good thing drawing the lines again not only for the sake of our mental sanity but also for the sake of our our budget is really really important and i think it's important to to create that distinction so you know uh, managing expectations uh, i think is really what's most important in this case and creating uh, a certain set of expectations even for friends and family as to what you're capable of especially for a price point that makes sense. You know, when you're talking about an all-day wedding, especially during wedding season, um, is really, really important. So this is good. This is a good conversation to be had, and we haven't really gone there on the Boca podcast yet, so I I love Mm -hmm. diving into firsts. Thanks for bringing that up. I would love to know more about you and, and of course, share that with our listeners. So tell us more about you. What's a day in the life of Megan look like?
1: Well, a day in the life. So I'm one of those rare... In the creative field, it's rare anyway, uh, early birds. So I'm up pretty early, believe in like a real strong morning routine, journaling, you know, just get my quiet time in. And then I'm like off and running. I'm kind of one of those like 100% all in people. Um, So like I am out the door by seven to work with a client or to go work at a coffee shop or even if I am at home which I really like to be at home. I I'm just kind of heads down working. I'm an independent worker. I'm an introvert, so I really am careful to guard my alone time, but I really get that energy from being around other people who are working. So like the coffee shop is fun. So I spend a lot of time in my my little like local coffee shop. Yeah, I guess like I spend a lot of time learning about different things that are working for other businesses, trying to optimize my business. I think I'm always trying to like hack it, see how I can you know just do things like better more effectively
0: and I think that 's really important too when you you take it 's easy to take a lot of information and in, first of all not do anything with it but then mm-hmm. um, but then to to do something with it that actually makes sense for your business, kind of run it through the filter of you know something we talk about a lot here on the podcast is is our big picture view mm-hmm. the overarching goals and values and dreams that we have to run all of that information through that filter. Take what makes sense, what's applicable, apply it, yeah. um, and let the rest of it go, I think is really important. But, but staying aware, certainly of trends and, and fads mm-hmm. and the conversations going on in the industry and in the tech world that are, that are relative to what we're doing, uh, but also being aware of our market and how our clients or potential clients are behaving and what they're looking for. These are all really, really important things. Um, and so that's great that you're paying, you're making a, a proactive effort, a concerted effort at, at taking that information in. And uh, you mentioned time at the coffee shop. I actually just got back from time at a coffee shop this morning and I'm with you. I'm, if, if we were to categorize me, uh, you know, either introvert or extrovert, I would lean more to the introverted side, but it's also nice just to have community. And that, that looks yeah. differently for me. I, I tend to lean toward uh, close relationships and, and intimate conversation but there is something nice about just being near people at times, you know, that can be um, just kind of comforting. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and so, yeah, it's nice to have that time at the coffee shop. How do you spend your, your free time? What does that look like?
1: Oh man. So I'm, I'm like a huge nerd. So I'm a big reader. I've always been a big reader. In fact, I'm super excited. I just started this thing on my Instagram. I'm going to do like book reviews kind of as I go as I read books. So my goal every year is to read 52 books. And I've, I've pretty much like hit it every year for the last like three or four years or so. But this year, I am Killing it! I have read nine books in January. And
0: <laughs> I love that I'm you're just, just like kidding. I'm killing it. You totally, are totally owning it. That's what. And what kind of uh, books are we talking about? We say fifty-two books. Is this fiction, nonfiction, combination? What What does it look like?
1: Well, as you know, I am a huge lover of story, and so I read a lot of fiction. I try to read both nonfiction and fiction, and then also like business books and growth books. But definitely where where my heart is, what I really love are just like the good stories. So I've read a bunch of historical fiction. I'm really like lots of sci-fi. In fact, I'm currently reading two sci-fi books. I also try to read stuff that's like outside of my comfort zone. Um, I like to really challenge myself. So one of the things that I read at the beginning of the year was the book American Sniper. And that's uh, the nonfiction story. There was actually a movie made about it. um, But it's the nonfiction story of the most lethal sniper in U.S. history, who was a Navy SEAL, Chris Kyle.
0: Yeah, I saw the movie, but I haven't read the book.
1: So I saw the movie, yeah, when it came out. And, you know, I remember liking it. But I saw the, the book and thought, oh, you know, that would be an interesting read. And it really challenged a lot of my views and I think informed me in ways that I wouldn't have... I mean, I've known people who've been in the military, but it was like so much more in depth than the conversations that I've had with the friends I've known or the family members I've known who've been in the military.
0: That's really interesting. Do you feel like it went into much more depth than the movie as well?
1: Definitely, yes. I think as movies have to be, they are, uh, it was more story oriented. It had to kind of tell a cohesive story. The book was actually a little rough for me to read because it wasn't as story oriented as i thought it was going to be it was kind of like piece of information and then a supporting like a, a short little supporting story and then like more information and supporting story and then it would kind of like the timeline was really hard for me to figure out and it wasn't bad by any means it just was very different from what i'm used to reading so yeah, I, I really enjoyed the movie, and I really enjoyed the book, but I would say they weren't really that much like each other.
0: And, and this is all relevant, by the way, to you listening in. Um, we're going to actually be diving into the, the topic of storytelling for the sake of marketing a little bit later, but that's interesting. I, I wonder how much inspiration you get in your marketing efforts from learning elements of, of fiction and, and ultimately of storytelling through your reading. Do you, do you find a lot of inspiration in that?
1: I find that story is, is essential and it's at the core of all human beings. And so when I, when I find myself responding to stories, whether it's in uh, TV or movies or books, I, I notice, I try to like really be aware of those things. And I, I've taken creative writing classes. And so that's something that they kind of teach you to notice and all of your, you know, highlighting and underlining and taking notes and all of that. So I, I think that I'm, I have a skill set that leans towards that, but yeah, I, I kind of try to figure out, okay, how is it accomplishing this in me? Why is it making me feel this? What is it making me feel and how can I, how can I use that as a tool in my business?
0: That's really great. And we are going to get into this in a little bit more detail in just a bit, What I want to to get back to though, is your business. And I'm, I'm curious to hear a little bit more about how long you've been in business and how you got started.
1: Yeah, so um, I've been in business for a little over 12 years now. I was actually going to school for writing, and I loved it, I but I really believed that I was going to be the next American novelist, you know, selling all the, all the books and uh, having that million-dollar book contract. And my really good friend at the time was in a business publishing class and kind of sat me down and was just like, hey... Someone has to be honest with you. You're not going to do that. Uh, It's not that you're not a great writer. It's not that you're a bad person, but this is the way the industry is right now. Because it it definitely was, when I was 18, 19, it was definitely different. So I kind of had to step back into self-evaluation mode. What am I going to do with my life if I'm not going to write? It was actually the next week a friend of mine came to me. She'd gotten engaged. She said, hey, I know your dad has camera equipment. I know you took a photography class in high school. Why don't you do engagement pictures for me and I'll buy you Italian food? And I thought, okay, well, wow. Not
0: a bad trade. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm a starving college student. That's fine with me. <laughs> and, oh, man, the the like sad news from that is that she ended up not getting married. The great news from that is that she those photos will never see the light of day because of it. Um and that's so good because they were terrible, terrible, terrible photos oh, compared no. to my work now. But I walked away and I was like, oh my gosh, I can tell stories with my camera. And it was just this, I feel like something awakened in me in that time where I was kind of not, not quite going through a depression, but I was really down, like, what am I going to do with my life if I'm not telling stories? That's the only thing I've ever really wanted to do. And then all of a sudden it was like, like message from heaven, ha, like the angels are singing. You can tell stories with your camera, Megan. And yeah, so from that point on, it was just, I was pretty much obsessed.
0: Wow. Okay. So this was about how long ago again?
1: I think like 12 12 years ago. 12
0: years ago. Okay. So fast forward 12 years, you're you're shooting in California, which by the way is a, a pretty crowded market. How do you clearly position yourself Against the photographer market, I mean, I, I realize, you know, as a um, just from a bigger picture standpoint, the community over competition mentality is prevalent certainly now, and I think that's wonderful. But at the end of the day, our business still has to stand out to a potential client, and I, I use this uh, this phrase brand position when when um, actually when I sent you the questions ahead of time. What is your business's brand position? And I think there's a lot of confusion about what this means. If, if our listeners will just go to Wikipedia and search positioning, and, and on Wikipedia it says positioning and then parentheses marketing, uh, it says, it defines this as the place a brand occupies in the mind of its target audience. So if you were to define your brand position in the very crowded California market, how would you define it?
1: I'm not naturally prone to bragging. So this is not a brag at all, but I do feel like I've pretty successfully established myself as the only person who advertises here or markets here as the storyteller. Even when I when I talk about what I do, I think that like people can hear that it's a sacrifice what we do as storytellers is we lay down our right to our own stories. We're, we're saying my story is not important. If, if I'm writing somebody's story, I can't be writing my own story at the same time. And so we are truly narrators. And that is our brand position. That is what we do and what, what I haven't really seen anybody else doing here.
0: And to that point, actually, there's, there's a lot of conversation around art and distinguishing okay. our art and making sure that our art sets us apart and you know th- th- while that's important that the thing about art well first of all the thing about even decent photography is that it's not particularly recognizable to the mm-hmm. average client the majority of clients in fact so there's that there's just that simple reality and mm-hmm. we have to acknowledge that but but then this almost kind of egotistical drive to make sure that our art is acknowledged and realized mm-hmm. Um, can at many times get in the way of doing business very effectively and ultimately, in this case, uh, get in the way of even effectively telling a story. Now, ideally, you can combine the two, but I love that you're prioritizing the storytelling in your interaction with your clients and serving your clients.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's just, uh, it wasn't ever actually a conscious decision. So I can't be like, oh, yeah, I'm so awesome. I think like the storyteller in me, the writer who just wanted to dive into what it was that was important about these people and this day and you know beyond beyond the wedding day I mean in, in California I feel like uh, we get a lot of the happily ever after weddings like this is the ultimate the best day of your life and for me it's it's actually like what I tell my clients is like if this is if you think this is the best day of your life or, or I should say prospective clients and you think this is the best day of your life if this is your happily ever after then I'm I'm truly not the right photographer for you and there's nothing wrong with you having that view but my for my clients I'm the right photographer for the person who says this is chapter 1 page 1 you know now we're writing our family history and I think that again like that's something that's really unique about about my business.
0: And how do you effectively communicate that to your clients because a lot of potential clients may even assume that part of a a photographer's job is to tell a story. So how do you, how do you effectively distinguish yourself from the other photography businesses when you're selling yourself on your website or you're selling yourself in an in-person meeting with a potential client?
1: That's a good question. So I put a lot of thought into this and I'm not sure that I, I have a really clear answer on it. I think it's one of those things. a, A lot of times for me, I don't, know the specific answer until I'm like teaching it. And then I'm like, Oh, yeah, that's why I do what I do. Or that's why I think now that I have to explain my process. (laughs) So so I guess what I was reflecting back on and I have some specific client meetings that I was like thinking back on. I don't ask them a lot about like their wedding plans. And I try to just like ask them about like their stories and like who they are and how they feel about each other and what they mean to each other. And I like I, I have a pretty informal list of questions, that I guess I just interview them because I think of it as the first opportunity to get to know them and figure out what it is that I'm going to document. Because again, it's not my story, it's their story. And I think a lot of times as wedding photographers, we get in our own way. We say, it's really important that we document, that, that we have a first look. It's really important that we do sunset photos. It's really important that we do X, Y, and Z. And what I really like to get to the heart of is like, what's actually important to you? Because maybe it's not pictures of you cutting the cake. And maybe it's not, maybe you don't want to do a first look. And so like, I'm, I don't care if I have to shoot in the dark so that you can have your romantic photos and your sunset ceremony and no first look. That's fine. Like, What's important to you? and, and so'll I'll ask them questions before I'll even start talking about what it is that that we're going to come in and do, I guess.
0: Well, that's good. I, 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 again, I really have a lot of respect for the way that you're setting it really is just ego, setting your ego aside for the sake of the client. And I think that's so important. And there's no reason why we can't still combine creative efforts at, at uh, you know image creation at the same time, but the priority is on the client and their story, telling their story and not some contrived, uh, you know, Hollywoodized version or, or otherwise for the sake Mm -hmm. of our ego, for the sake of being able to share, you know, images and get a bunch of likes on, on social media, the focus is on telling the story. And this is a really wonderful example for, our listeners. And, and it is important to get the context of the story by asking those personal questions, understanding who your clients are, where they came from, where that relationship came from. And, and that gives you, again, the context to be able then, to then more effectively tell their story on their wedding day. So this is really good. Now, I'm curious, from the standpoint of a storyteller's position, what is one of your favorite pieces of gear? Do you have like a favorite camera body or lens or otherwise?
1: Yeah, so I, I'm i a Nikon. I shoot Nikon because everyone in my family going back a couple generations has shot Nikon, and I think I might be disowned if I considered <laughs> anything else. So I have to say, I've been talking to some friends about Leica lately, and I'm starting to get some real gear envy.
0: What is it about Leica that that's drawing you to the brand?
1: I think they have a commitment to quality, but I, I feel both Canon and Nikon are starting to lose a little bit but also my favorite photographer is um it's Henri Cartier Bresson uh he was a French photographer from like 19 1920 to 1960 ish is when you see like a lot of his work he shot on Leica and so it honestly is just like it's it's the good story about it like he was a Leica guy and I love his work and so that's, that's good marketing <laughs> yeah. storytelling marketing it's you can take beautiful photographs like this famous photographer from way back when if you have a Leica
0: <laughs> yeah and, and it's, it's so central to so many different marketing stories so mm-hmm. I w- currently you mentioned you're shooting Nikon though is there a particular body or lens that that is your favorite
1: I love my d750 it has been such a workhorse for me I shoot literally everything on it though I've got you know, a couple other bodies to choose from. Actually, I don't think I've picked up anything else since I bought it other than when it's been in the shop. And then I've been trying to shoot on my 85 more because I I like the challenge of not shooting with just the same lens all the time. But that 50, as far as telling stories, I would just put my 50 on my camera all day and leave it there forever. And when I travel, that's pretty much what I do. I I never bring out the other lenses.
0: And that's the 51.4? Yes, yeah, it's seriously one of the best lenses out there and And uh, you know the price point makes it affordable mm-hmm. for for anyone, really. It's so great. I think like three hundred and fifty bucks or so, and you've got this lens that's not only extremely portable but also yeah. fast. It does the job in all kinds of different scenarios. So that, that's really cool. Yeah. Now, I I'd want to jump back to storytelling. Your website, I'm going to actually read this quote from your website. You say, I was pretty young when I started telling stories, fish stories, most of them. Absolutely terrible five-year-old fiction a lot of times. <laughs> I entered a story contest in second grade and lost to a fifth grader, but stories were still magic. They transported me, awed me. And when I told them, I had not only the ability to get lost in a world other than my own, but the opportunity to paint a new world around the people hearing my stories. And uh, I I don't know, as much as you may have gotten criticism in college about your writing, I'd say go for it again. I I think that's beautifully (laughs) written. But will you share? I, I have to ask, what was one of your favorite childhood stories?
1: My favorite childhood story was whatever I was reading at the time or whatever I was writing at the time. And I think like most children, I, I really believed that what I was producing, you know, like a lot of kids are really good artists in their minds. Um, they can, you know, draw really well or color in really well, but I didn't care about that at all. I just like, I believed that the stories that I was writing were awesome. Um, so so I, I can't really peg down like a specific one but I will say because I was such a reader and because I think my parents probably couldn't afford my book habit <laughs> they... did you was
0: was the library card your best friend?
1: <laughs> Pretty much but also so my my little brother was uh, sick and in the hospital for a lot of growing up and so I kind of just got like passed around from like neighbors to like friends from church to like this uncle, or that aunt, or kind of whoever was available to take me for a couple days. And so I would just like cart around books, like whatever books I could find. And I at a certain point when my parents couldn't keep paying for my massive book habit, I'm talking like I was like seven or eight, I would just start taking books off of their shelves. Yeah. So one thing that really stands out, and I think that like, it was like a pivotal moment for me, I wouldn't say it's my, it was my favorite childhood story. But I actually read The Count of Monte Cristo, unabridged version, when I was eight years old. And for parents out there, it's not really good appropriate children's <laughs> literature. It's like all about revenge, but it's such a good story. And there was just something about it that I think made me believe that I I could tell stories for the rest of my life. So it was it was a really pivotal moment for me was reading that book.
0: Huh, that's really interesting. I I don't I, that's not one that you hear a lot of people talk about when they're referring to childhood favorite stories. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but I think that's great. I think it makes, it makes your story unique. And, and that's really, really interesting. We'll make sure to, to link to a copy of that on Amazon in our show notes, too. So our listeners can, can go grab a copy of that. And, you know, I have to, I have to bring up one of my favorite uh, children's stories. I, I think I've mentioned it probably multiple times now on the podcast. But 21 Balloons. Have you ever read 21 Balloons?
1: I haven't.
0: Oh, I cannot recommend it enough. It is just a beautiful, beautiful story and, and very fantastical and adventurous. Mm. And uh, the writing is interesting. But I, I, I would highly recommend 21 Balloons if you like reading uh, children's stories. Or I guess you might even be able to consider this like a preteen or, or teenage level mm. book. But um, yeah, great, great storytelling. If you I will were to,
1: totally go pick that up.
0: Oh, perfect. Perfect. I cannot recommend it enough. I think I've, I've sent copies to at least two or three people in addition to reading it myself yeah. and, and uh, read it to my kids. And yeah, it's just yeah. an absolutely lovely book. Storytelling, though, I mean, we talked about storytelling from the standpoint of using imagery to convey the story of a client or our clients. But I want to, to kind of turn go to a different direction really and talk about storytelling when it comes to marketing. And we alluded to this earlier, but what, what do you feel like the role of storytelling and marketing is for the professional photographer? What does that even mean?
1: So, um, it, it plays, I think a variety of roles from, so I'm, uh, I'm breaking in like a new social media person right now uh, breaking in sounds bad. Sorry, Alicia, if you to this. <laughs> we um, love you, Alicia. She's wonderful. <laughs> she's wonderful, but I think it's really hard to capture somebody else's voice and understand why they would choose certain photos. So um, we're just, we're trying to learn each other right now. As with, you know, anytime you hire somebody new, that's something that's important. And one of the things that I've noticed is that she's less prone to telling good stories in social media. On Facebook than she is on Instagram. She's like really good at it on Instagram, but on Facebook not as much. And that's something that is just like you know I need to I need to train her on that. But so storytelling is a, a really important part of how our social media message. That's just kind of like one example. But I think that for me. The biggest thing, the, the biggest role that storytelling has played in my marketing, this this almost sounds counterintuitive or uh, I guess like counter to what I was talking about before about taking the ego out of what we do, but giving our client really beautiful stories to tell about us, how we interact with them, what we did on the wedding day to make their, their lives better. When I was thinking about this earlier, a, a specific example came to mind. Last summer, I got to shoot... A wedding for a very, very, very close family friend. This was like, I had mentioned that my brother was sick growing up. And so this was like a family that I stayed with pretty much like as often as possible. They're, the parents are like my parents. Uh, the kids are like siblings to me. And so having the opportunity to photograph this guy's wedding was truly I think, like the greatest honor of my professional life. And I, I walked out of there feeling like I could retire and just be super happy. But I, I knew I was going to be really emotional during the ceremony. He was marrying just the most wonderful girl. We all absolutely love her. And he's a musician. And one of his, he hired a bunch of musicians for the the reception. And this trumpet player that he hired also used to be one of my second shooters. And literally before the ceremony, I was so emotional and worked up that I thought, I'm not going to be able to shoot this without bawling my eyes out and like totally oh, no. distracting everybody. So I, I went to the trumpet player and I said, can you just come stand back At the back of the ceremony, and like, if I need you, can you come just like grab my camera and start shooting so that they like no moment gets missed, but I don't have to be a distraction? And he was like, Yeah, yeah, of course I'll do that. And the groom's mom overheard and said, Megan, I really want you to to document it, even if you think you're going to be distracting. Like, I just really think that you're going to bring something special to it. And, and so sure enough, I did, I, I literally was crying my eyes out through the whole ceremony. And I, in the middle of them taking communion I looked over and I my my viewfinder was literally like fogged up I was just praying that my camera was in focus it was just (laughs) and it's a miracle that this did turn out but I looked over at the groom's mom and she was looking at me with this big smile on her face and I realized that she was just as affected and just as impacted by my love for them as she was by their love for each other and this like really wonderful, sweet moment in their lives. And she and I have talked about what a great story that is. And it got me to thinking about how how other people I don't know, families that I haven't met before, where I'm not bawling my eyes out in the ceremony, how are they experiencing me on the wedding day? And is it like, are the stories that they're telling about me, stories like oh my gosh, she just was very quick tempered or she was short with us because we were behind schedule or are the the stories that they're telling about me, oh my gosh, she was just super patient. She made sure that the ruffle on my dress was just right. And I'm not talking about the bride and groom. I'm talking about the family members, the wedding party and the guests. And I think that keeping in mind the stories that they have the opportunity to tell other people, that is, that is my marketing. I would rather never post another thing on social media again, never write another blog, never do any kind of paid advertising, and just have my guests, my families, my, my wedding parties telling great stories about how they experienced me telling a story um, and my investment and the people who mattered to them.
0: That's a, that's a really interesting way of looking at it. Uh, and I'm going to come back to that. I want to go back real quickly to what you kind of made mention in passing about, which is the difference between how you post to Instagram versus Facebook. We have to keep in mind, and, and I'm really preaching to myself here too, we have to keep in mind they, they are two different platforms. They may be owned by the same company, they may even you know, easily be posted to both platforms. You just kind of copy and paste, or you can if you're posting to, to Instagram, you can flip mm-hmm. that little switch and post to Facebook at the same time. But we really do have to keep in mind that they are two different platforms, and so your approach to storytelling Telling and each platform should be considered unique. And we have to keep okay. that in mind. I think that's really, really good from, from a marketing standpoint and certainly from a storytelling standpoint. And uh, if, if you guys are curious more about that very specific topic, make sure that you read a book called Jab, 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 Right Hook. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a book by Gary Vaynerchuk. And it's a few years old, but I think still pretty relevant when you're considering the format of the content that you're posting to these various social media platforms, make sure that they are platform specific. That those posts are platform specific. I think that's really, really good. But then, you know, this idea of of considering our reputation, um, what our clients are saying about their experience with us. This is a pretty commonplace conversation, but I love considering it or thinking about it from the standpoint of storytelling. What is the story that they're telling about us? Mm-hmm. And so when you're considering your approach to marketing, it's not necessarily about the, I mean, you're obviously telling a story, for example, on your your website about you and communicating mm-hmm. who you are as the photographer. But ultimately, you're, you're thinking about the story that your clients and their friends and family are telling about you as the experience, with regards to the experience that they had with your brand. And I think that's a really interesting way to consider how to go about developing and building a brand. What is the story they're telling about us? We do have to consider the story we're telling about our brand, just from a marketing right. standpoint. But what is ultimately the experience that we're creating? And this has certainly been a theme on the podcast. What is the, the story about the experience they've had with us? What does that sound like? Uh, and that's that's a really good question to ask, and I think it it will lend perspective to our efforts as business owners for the sake of continuing to to grow our business and to grow our brand and develop a really great reputation. What are a couple of big storytelling principles maybe that that our listeners could keep in mind as they craft their marketing message for their brand?
1: yeah, so i uh, I came up with two that I think are pretty universal. So the first one is that. Story is personal, and so it only works when it is authentic. People have really good spidey senses. And <laughs> they so, do, yeah. Yeah. So if if it doesn't feel right to them, if it's off, if you're trying to put on a good face, I, I don't know. I just I think clients see right through that, and so I'm like usually pretty upfront with my clients about these are things that I'm good at, and these are not things that I'm good at. Um, like I I'm really bad at the admin side of things, and so I'll tell them, oh, I have. Literally, I have two admins to help me so that nothing falls through the cracks. But if it does fall through the cracks, sorry, it's probably because I didn't communicate with them. And you can just expect that that's going to happen. And if it's really important to you to have someone who responds to you within a couple hours, oops, like... Let me, let me find someone who's really good at admin for you. So yeah, I think just like being honest about the stories. And I think that ultimately, like the, the client who choose me care more about having a good relationship. And that's something that like, because I'm honest about it, because, because I'm authentic about like, this is, this is what you're getting. I, I think they're happier.
0: I think that the uh, the importance of vulnerability, really, in this case, is twofold. One, yes, it enables it creates a platform for a better relationship with them because they know that they're getting an, an actual human being. And to that point, then mm-hmm. you know you gotta, we have to keep in mind that that those clients or potential clients that we're interacting with are on a more regular basis not dealing with boutique businesses, boutique studios. Mm-hmm or anything comparable. They're dealing with large corporations in which they have no individual value. They're not a name. They're just a number. And right. so we have a really wonderful opportunity to create an incredible relationship, which can ultimately translate to really good business um, if, if we actually make an effort at being personal, transparent mm-hmm. vulnerable and that's really really important so yeah this is this is a great um, idea big idea to keep in mind take us to that second one if you will
1: yeah the second one is to start now because you already have a story it's powerful um, you have an audience that's literally waiting for you so just be bold and and share already um, I think that a lot of times especially like a lot of things in business and I'm I have a tendency towards this. Uh, It's something I'm always fighting against is the desire to, the desire for perfection. And so it's always like, I have to have every detail figured out before I even begin. But with story, it doesn't matter. It's, it is where you are right now and where you're going. And if you just start in, once you're, Perfect. Once everything is, I don't know where it should be. I <laughs> once mean, we're perfect, you are never going to start. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Well, I think that's the whole point too. And I don't mean to interrupt your your train of thought, but I, I love the the idea of starting now. This is a good reminder for me, and I'm sure it will be for everyone uh, listening. You don't. It doesn't have to be a hundred percent. Perfect. Mm -hmm. And that's part of being vulnerable and transparent is that you don't have it all figured out, but you can start right now. And and a lot of times, I mean, this gets in the way of of potential photographers starting their businesses, or if if they're already running a business, making a particular move within their business. And certainly when it comes to telling a story, an effective story for the sake of marketing there's, there's really, it, it's important to, to approach it intelligently and to continue to educate yourself about how best to use various marketing platforms and how to communicate most clearly. But at the end of the day, you do have to start right now. And, uh, and, and I love the simple idea that you're, that, that story is made up of two components, one, where you are now, and then mm-hmm. two, where you're going. And, yeah. and, and, and that's really not a whole lot to keep up with. So if you're confused about what to talk about for the sake of your brand, just keep those two ideas in mind. That's really great.
1: Yeah, it is. It's extremely simple. And and also I think another thing that we forget about is no no story has ever been interesting when it's just like a bunch of perfect people walking around in a situation that's like all good. The story starts because there's conflict, because something's wrong because a character needs to evolve because you know something went wrong in life and we strive so so hard to be in a place of perfection before we present ourselves but like that just it goes against everything that story is
0: yeah perfection is and this came to mind as, as you're talking perfection is sterile and sterile mm-hmm. is boring you know that mm-hmm. you're so right that stories become interesting because ultimately of imperfection and yeah. the reality of our struggles and it, one day being up and the other being down and and the various challenges that face us as human beings as business mm-hmm. owners there is so much interesting story in all of those various experiences and um, so that's really inc- important to keep in mind and these are these are great ideas for our listeners i, I really appreciate you sharing these with us megan and I, i'd be curious too you mentioned your instagram account earlier we talked about your website where can our listeners find you online
1: so online i am at megankeithen.com and i'll spell that out because i have a funny last name uh it's dot com. Uh, and then I can pretty much be found the same place for, uh, everything else. So, uh, on Instagram, that's at Megan Keithan, uh, on Facebook, that's facebook.com slash Megan Keithan. And then, um, my professional work for, so at Megan Keithan is just my like personal art gallery slash, uh, like I just wrote it like a poem recently on uh, Instagram. So some like a little bit of writing stuff, but for my actual professional work at Megan Keith and photo on Instagram.
0: Perfect. And we'll make sure to link to all of those in our show notes. Thank you again for making time for the Boca podcast listeners, mm-hmm.
1: Megan. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Nathan.
0: dot com